Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle L. Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. We welcome you in on Tuesday, November 7th, which means one thing. It means that if you're here, if you're seeing myself, Kyle L. Frank, if you're seeing Ray Flowers, if you're hearing my voice, it means... That you survived Zach Wilson in Monday Night Football. Congratulations! It's difficult, Ray. It's it's not getting better with Zach Wilson, is it? No. Um, I guess we could say that only two of his three fumbles were lost. I don't know. I mean, all I know is Aaron Rodgers is, is saying he's back in a couple of weeks, so we'll find out what the hell's going on with that. Kyle. You, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks who struggle to throw the football. Like we complained about this yesterday, talking about all the backups and some of the lousy scores and all that. So, so Zach Wilson is not alone in this struggle. Uh, he's a little bit different in the fact that this is what season number three for him and he's still struggling. But, but the thing Ray, that's beyond irritating and, and, and for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the NFL shoving the Jets down my throat with like primetime action every week. I, I feel like I, I've seen a lot of Zach Wilson this year, more than I should have ever <laughs> hoped for. Right. And, and what is so irritating, Ray, is how he continues to just drift backwards and backwards and run backwards and, and like take these stupid sacks. Like... I'll let you slide with bad completions or incompletions or even INTs, but like the inability to chuck the football out of bounds and just take an incompletion instead of a 17-yard sack, it, it, it's on and on and on. He is not learning at all. That, that seems pretty simplistic. He's terrible at that aspect. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of those things that – and especially – you run into the, the double-edged sword when you have an arm because he's got a really strong arm, right? When you have an arm like that, you almost always think you can make a play. And yeah. he's, he's, he's mobile. You know, he's not stuck in the pocket. So he's trying to make a play. But at some point, use that arm and just chuck it out of bounds. Like you said, live another day. And, and mm -hmm. you would think that with the struggles they have moving the football, with the struggles they have being productive, that the coaching staff would tell him that, look, make your read, make your read, make your read, throw it out of bounds. Like we don't we, – we can't, you know, forward turnovers – He's done a better job with interceptions, at least. I mean, so there's mm -hmm. something. But, yeah, I agree with you. Um, it's hard to admit defeat on a single play, but it's just one play out of 60, 70, whatever you're going to run for the game, throw it out of bounds. Well, there was more than uh, Zach Wilson going on last night. So as we get things rolling here on Fantasy Sports Daily, uh, we will give you a run-through of all things Monday Night Football. It wasn't all that great from the Chargers' side either. I mean, their defense was excellent. Uh, their offense kind of ran into uh, what we think the Jets are defensively. So, you know, the game itself kind of ho-hum, but uh, we will recap everything that went down for the Chargers and Jets. As for other things coming your way over the next uh, 50 minutes or so, we will tell you about some good news as we look ahead to week 10 of the NFL season. It does indeed sound like Kyler Murray will officially be back for week number 10. Uh, David Montgomery also returning to Detroit. We'll see what that means for that Lions backfield and, for all you Jameer Gibbs owners, uh, speaking of backfields, what is going on with the Ravens backfield? Ray and I touched on this a bit yesterday. We'll dig into it a bit more today because a lot of you are getting ready for some waiver wire bidding on Keaton Mitchell. Uh, we'll talk about the prospects of Tank Dell. I'm kind of surprised, Ray. I saw over at like Yahoo, Tank Dell's like available in more than half the leagues over there. It's kind of surprising to me. 
you know, we've talked about that, you and I, and how when, you know, people ask their questions over at fantasyguru.com in the Discord, uh, that it's, you know, they've either got three of the top 15 guys or they have no one in the top 30. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's a weird, and people's roster construction, some people are, are just overflowing. They don't know who to start because everyone's a star. Some people don't have anyone to start. Uh, but I'm I'm constantly surprised by, you know, someone asked me a question yesterday, do I have Debo Samuel off the waiver wire? So there, there are leagues, there are leagues where, yeah, people make strange moves, Kyle. And it's always surprising to look at the big box stores and to check out those ownership rates. I think Debo Samuel was like my third round pick in a league. I know. I love when third round picks are sitting on the waiver wire in week 10. Get me in those leagues. I might actually finish above 500. So we'll, we'll uh, talk about all things waiver wire NFL coming up. And we'll sneak in a little baseball today. Uh, why are we doing that? Well, there's a lot of news actually going on with baseball. We had a ton of managerial openings filled yesterday. MLB free agency has now begun. That actually started yesterday. So not that it's like the NBA or heck any of the sports, NFL, NHL. You know, when, when free agency hits there, boom, 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 boom. Signings everywhere. Not so fast in Major League Baseball. Uh, but we will preview the market, uh, talk about some of the things to follow. The uh, MLB GM meetings are taking place this week in Scottsdale, Arizona. And uh, as it's always said, and I guess I'll just go ahead and believe them because I've never been to a GM's meeting. Uh, but but we are told, Ray, that the groundwork for signings, our trades, is often laid during this week in Arizona. So We'll, we'll see if those, I'm sure they're showing up at mm-hmm. whatever resort it is in Scottsdale and they've got their hard hat, their tape measure, uh, their nail gun, you know, safety pads, all that stuff. Cause they're going to get to work and lay some groundwork. Those uh, baseball GMs this week. Yeah. I went once years ago in Tennessee. It's actually where I first met Steve Phillips face to face. We did a show uh, from there for serious, but uh, I was, my, my takeaways are some people are running around, like there's people that are calm and they're on the keyboards and other people are running back and forth. Uh, everyone there is much shorter than I am, uh, whether they're in baseball or covering baseball. So and Aaron thirdly, Judge was not there. when you He was there. not there, correct. And thirdly, I didn't see anyone other than Scott Boris that I knew from a front office or, or, an, or a, uh, an agent perspective. I think they're all hiding somewhere else. So uh, yeah, I don't know where this groundwork is set, but it apparently is now. Yeah, it's it's being laid right now in Scottsdale with those GM meetings uh, taking place. So we'll sneak in a little baseball as uh, we roll through things, as always. If you're uh, viewing us live wherever, Facebook, X, uh, YouTube, certainly, you can send us some questions, comments, anything you want, send them our way. Uh, you can find us here each and every weekday. We're, we're still brand new, I guess, you know, about a week and a half into this thing. Uh, but 11 a.m. Eastern each and every day we are live. These are cataloged. They are saved. You can find them after the fact. You can download them in audio format as a podcast. Uh, all you have to do is search Fantasy Sports Daily and you should be good to go. And of course, if uh, you're 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 new to Fantasy Guru, you know, this is free. This is something we, we just kind of do on the side. Uh, if you want more from Ray, more from some of our guests, if you want a lot more DFS, NBA's picking up NHL, make sure to head over to fantasyguru.com. And we remind you again, Ray, the promo code is still up and running. And uh, it's a way to save money for the upcoming year. It is FSD20, FSD20 for that 20% discount. I think we even we even uh, lowered some prices last night as well. So you might want to check that out. Even the uh, MVP package might have gone down a little bit. So uh, check that out over at fantasyguru.com. Use that promo code FSD20.
Okay, let's dig into it. Let's start with uh, Monday Night Football Week 9 officially in the books. The uh, LA Chargers uh, take care of business. It, it was relatively easy, Ray. It was kind of blah. Um, you know, a lot of people own Chargers, and a lot of people like to see big numbers from Herbert, from Keenan Allen, from Austin Eckler. It was okay last night. I mean, Eckler didn't do much, but two touchdowns makes everything smell better. Uh, Keenan Allen had a good enough game. No touchdowns, but good enough. He's uh, over 10,000 yards, mm -hmm. by the way, in his career. Herbert's probably the letdown, Ray. He's facing a good defense, but it's just looking at 136 yards. I, I will say this for the entirety of that game. On average, the Chargers usually run about 66 plays a week. On Monday night, they only ran 51. So that, that's a very simplistic explanation, Ray, for why everything was down. In effect, that's at least two drives, if not more, that we didn't have plays for the Chargers that we usually get from week to week. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're without Mike Williams. They're without Josh Palmer. So they're going to want to play things maybe potentially a little tighter. It's a, it's a difficult matchup with the Jets defense, right? Um, but when you get out to a, a 14 to nothing lead in the first quarter and you're facing, you know, Zach Wilson... Yeah, I mean, and, and this is the this is the problem that we all had, I think, with the Chargers and they're confounding. They're four and four. Are they going somewhere? Are they not going somewhere? One week they look great. One week they don't look great. They seem to want to win every game. They, they often play games like they're the Titans or the Falcons, which I don't understand. And, you know, they get out to this big two two touchdown lead. And then at the fourth quarter, it's a one score game. And then they're trying to find their offense, but they haven't done anything offensively for two quarters. So there's I don't I wish they would just go. You know, they've got weapons, even with the guys down. They've got a good offense. They've got a quarterback who I believe is, if not elite, he's right on the cusp of being elite. And they don't utilize him properly. You know, they mm -hmm. scored 27 points. They won the game. You know, they moved to four and four. But it was a terribly disappointing effort for Justin Herbert. Uh, dig into Eckler a bit more. Um, again, two touchdowns. So nobody's really fretting. But you look at this season, Ray. Mm -hmm. uh, he's now played five games. Uh, he obviously missed a few with injury. In the five games we've seen, this really is an Austin Eckler. Yeah. And we were talking uh, just a few moments about uh, fantasyguru.com and insight and analysis and writing it up. Full credit to Ray, Jeff, the entire football side there. Because, Ray, I know coming into the year, this was written about constantly at Fantasy Guru. Uh, the fact that with Kellen Moore showing up and running this offense for the Chargers, Austin Eckler would not have huge receiving numbers. He's always been a guy, 70, 80 catches, games with eight, nine, 10 receptions. Through five games, he has 18 catches, which for a normal running back, okay, whatever, nice, yeah. good to have. Austin Eckler, that's that's a big drop. It's a huge drop. Uh, his effectiveness in the rushing attack, nowhere. But, Ray, again, full credit, you guys kind of called this <laughs> – and going back to like June, July, if people were subscribers, they knew you were rather frigid on the idea of Austin Eckler being like a top two, top three pick, even in that PPR setup. And I appreciate you you mentioning that, Kyle. And, and we did. And the interesting thing is we were on Eckler before the explosion. And then we were off Eckler. And it's it's funny that people people have said, well, you you know, you change your opinion. It's like, well, you have to change your opinion when the facts change, when the data the play changes. callers change. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of a big deal, right? And some people, it's like they look at these players in a bubble as if what's going on around them isn't important too. And I think you described it, it very well with Austin Eckler that he's still very effective. He's still an every week starter. He's still on any week can score 25 points. Like all these things are still there for him. 
But when you talk about a catch total, I mean, his catch total last year was over six a game. Like you said, this year it's 3.6. You know, he's losing over two and a half catches a game this year, which is two and a half points. That's massive, right? And when you toss in yardage, Ray, I mean, you're talking, you know, seven, eight yards a catch, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And so now you're talking four or five points a week. Yep. Before we even get into, t- I mean, it's it's huge for Eckler, and again, he's on the field now. We can't worry about the games he missed, but when he's on the field, Ray, it's it's still like last night they tried. I guess he had seven targets, he dropped a couple, but they're without Mike Williams and Joshua Palmer. And Ray, you just think to yourself, okay, Keenan Allen's going to get his. Eckler's going to be seven or eight catches, and again, yep. just nowhere close to that last night. Yeah, and and we said this a lot, and I write the PPR running back myth article every year where I lay out the fact that even getting 40 catches year after year after year for running back is not as easy as people think, mm-hmm. certainly not getting 50 or 60. Um, there are guys that do it every year, but the consistency season to season isn't there, and it's certainly not there week to week. Most of the time, and this is why Jeff Manns has been very vocal about PPR setups, it's the idea that the majority of offenses, if they're running properly, aren't really throwing the ball to the running back. The running back is an outlet. You look down mm-hmm. the field, you make a read, you make a read, you make a read, dump it to the running back. It's not, let's set up 10 plays a game for our, our running back. That is a unique scenario. And there have been times, obviously, in Eckler's career where he has been that. But as we discussed in the preseason and as we've seen play out, that's not the offense that he's in now. And I think the thing that's really telling as well, in addition to the, the passing component with Eckler, is the fact that Austin Eckler has a three-year low in rushing yards per game. And it's only down a couple of yards. Like, it's not... But it's a three-year low in rushing yards per game, despite the fact he has the highest carry total he's ever had per game. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's what you're talking about. Listen to it. Last three years, 4.6, 4.4, 4.5 yards per carry. So the last three years, 4.5 yards a carry. This year, it's 3.6. So he's not catching as many passes. He's not as involved as much in the passing game. They're giving him the ball on the ground more because either they don't trust the other guys in the backfield. Uh, Spiller was even inactive last night. They only had two active running backs. Um, but it's not working. Eckler is not a guy that's moving the pile. So yeah. if the passing game isn't working and they're not opening and spreading the field up, it's going to be very hard for him to improve those rushing totals. Well, you mentioned the 3-6. It's never, never been below 4-2. And his career average is like four and a half. So yeah, he's half. way off the pace of uh, what you expect, both receiving and rushing. And, and I'm not going to say the guys, I mean, he starts every week. Okay, let's not get confused here. Uh, but you're not getting the results you, you actually paid for with Austin Eckler. Now, moving to the Jets side, again, I started the show by being the uh, 18 billionth guy to pick on Zach Wilson just today. I, I've got a running total on my computer screen. Here, everybody yeah. calling out Zach Wilson. Um, Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall are starters. And, and I got to say, Ray, they're doing as good as they can. They're, they're doing it. We, we can play. Was it yesterday? Yeah. Talking about Devonte Adams is like, get, get the guy, throw the football to him. Yeah. At least throw it to him. Mm-hmm. The Jets at least throw it to Garrett Wilson. He had 13 targets and every week they throw it to him. And it's kind of shocking that he can even get 80 yards working with Zach Wilson. Brees Hall, Ray, he's getting the work. What was it? 20 touches last night. Now, again, he didn't do anything with it, but I'm not putting this on Wilson and Hall. This, if, if, if I'm the chargers are a bad defense. Like, like if there is a game where Zach Wilson should be able to throw, it's against this team. Like, this should be a team he should light up for 190 yards. And, and I guess he was over 200, but he threw the football 50 times in this game. Let's, let's not get carried away. When you throw the football 50 times against the Chargers, you better be throwing it for 420 yards. He didn't come close to that. So, so Ray, I'm still blaming Zach Wilson. I don't want to blame the other guys. The other guys are doing what they can. They are talented. 
We just don't have a quarterback who, who, who instead of getting rid of the football would instead take eight sacks against a lousy Chargers defense. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about Garrett Wilson being just slightly under 50% of the team's uh, targets. Like, like you know, I mean, excuse me, their air yards. Excuse me, their air yards. Just under 50% of the air yards. So, like you're saying, they're throwing the ball to Garrett Wilson. Now, the, the problem with that is it's not really working. He's got a 57% catch rate, which is not good. Um, his yardage and reception totals per game are slightly up, but, you know, three extra yards, half a catch. It's nothing – you know they don't they don't have they don't have an offense they really don't and you you see this you know the Dalvin Cook who had to be brought in for Aaron Rodgers not part of the offense Randall two, Cobb who had to carries. be brought in two yeah carries. two carries and a catch for eight yards or whatever that was I, and Ray I was one of those guys in the preseason had no problem like the cost of Brees Hall versus the cost of Dalvin mm-hmm. Cook I was like I'll take Dalvin Cook right. I, not that I expected Cook to be the guy all season and it's not that all oh, Brees Hall can't carry the load. I, I just can't believe how little Dalvin Young is used. It's like, I don't know how a team makes that signing and makes that addition and then just ignores them. I mean, he's been unused this year. Is he that much of a bum? Like, it, everything that the, that the owners are saying about running backs, Ray, must be true because Dalvin Cook is proof in the pudding. That that guy from 80 to zero hit the brakes. I, like, he's turned into Todd Gurley overnight. Yeah, and I think we 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 talked about this a lot, and we've seen it with the with various teams and such. It really matters, you know, who the OC is, what the scheme is, how they're running the offense. All these things really matter. Having competent quarterback play, um, but it is shocking because it wasn't a huge contract, but they gave him seven million dollars for a free agent that they didn't yeah. need. I mean, that's they could have signed you know Cam Akers for two million, right? Um, I think that you know this is. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers wanted Cook. Aaron Rodgers wanted Cobb. What do those guys have done for the team this year? Nothing. None of the three of the three of them have done nothing. Wasted $45 million or whatever. hasn't done much either. Throw him in there too. He hasn't done anything. <laughs> and again, I think that's quarterback play, but you're totally right there. Okay, we wasted $60 million this year. Like for nothing. They would and you know, Aaron, not to make this an Aaron Rodgers thing, he's you know gonna be he hot mic. Oh, I'll be back in a couple weeks. You know, when he comes back. I can't say that Dalvin Cook doesn't all of a sudden get ten touches a week. Like I, I can't, I can't rule that out. But uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been frustrating. Hopefully, people that took Brees Hall or Cook doubled them up. You know, doing the old handcuff thing that we talk about at FantasyGuru.com. Because if you just went the Dalvin Cook zone, flaming failure. One last thing on uh, Zach Wilson. It goes back to that sack stuff. Him running around. Um, a guy in in our industry that uh, I enjoy reading. I, I enjoy reading him. I read a lot of people, including Ray Flowers, many people. But a guy I enjoy reading, not because I agree with him or he's brilliant or like he's always right. Because people are like, oh, well, who's always right? That's who they. I I like to read people that a make me think, mm-hmm. and b are are willing to to lead with their chin, if you will, kind of make grand say. And and I don't know if Ray reads this guy or even if he knows this guy. And I do not know him personally, so I'm just saying what I read. Uh, Michael Salfino with with the Athletic. Um, who again, I, you know, they, they do some fantasy football coverage over there and stuff. And, uh, it's, it's solid. There's a lot of people Ray and I have known for years that work over there. Um, but Ray, one thing he really pounds the table about is that sacks are actually a QB stat. Like sacks are really on the QB. We, we, I do this a lot. You know, we all do this. I think it's oh offensive line. And of course, you know, offensive lines that get blown up and on occasion, specific plays, but his argument is so many of these sacks are quarterbacks doing what Zach Wilson does. And like that number, that sack percentage number that you can find with a Justin Fields that you can find certainly with Zach Wilson that you can find with every quarterback. It's it's like a skill 
avoiding the sack and knowing when to chuck the football and, you know, give up on the play, if you will. Where do you stand on that? It, it, it you know, again, he pounds a table. So I, I read it a lot. I see it a lot. He's been hammering Justin Fields for, you know, it's, it's not the bears offensive line. It's Justin Fields. And when I watch Fields, our Zach Wilson, Ray, I tend to agree. These guys, these guys are taking sacks that should not be taken. Yeah, if you look at the last decade, just pulled it up. Aaron Rodgers at 6%, the last decade of work. Um, and you look at Zach Wilson and his young career, it's 9.9%. It's a huge difference. Yeah. And, you know, I think that it goes back to what we're talking about when you said, just throw it out of the throw it out of bounds, you know, Garrett Wilson. Yeah. There, there is, we, we have a double-edged sword. In 1989, if you had a 10% sack rate, your offensive line was horrid or you weren't at quarterback. Like it was one of the two, right? <laughs> now teams accept that because he's mobile. He extends mm -hmm. plays. Big plays can happen from this. Because in the old days, you know, Joe Montana would go back. He'd take a read. He'd take a read. You know, even Steve Young, who would run, he didn't go back and take a read, take a read, then immediately take off, right? He'd be, but he'd be decisive about it. He wouldn't sit there and run around like Barry Sanders or Justin Fields or Joshua Dobb wouldn't do that. So I think that there is something to be said it's both. It's both, right? It's the offensive mm -hmm. line and the quarterback. But you, you know, when you have a, you have to make the decision as a quarterback in an offense to run the plays that are called, realize when it's developing or not developing, and just go to the next play. And I think that a lot of the young quarterbacks that are so athletic, more than we've ever seen previously, have never done that since they were seven years old. They're running around the field and they finally make a play, and everyone's like, "Ooh, wow!" They're never taught not to do that, so it's very hard to ingrain in them. This is the NFL. Yeah, it can work if you run around, but that linebacker is a better athlete than you, bro. You can't, you can't do that. So I think it's, I think it's a lot more on the quarterback than people tend to think. Sam Howell, who's on pace to set this record for sacks and everything, we we joke about it all the time. He's running around for six or seven seconds, bro. Yeah. Throw the ball. Yeah. If you run around for six or seven seconds against any team, they're eventually going to get to you. Well, and, and one other thing, and I think you know, you were talking about 1989 and Montana and so. In that era, there was like, and, and I know there were more, and in, in memory, you just kind of get lazy, and you say, oh, Dan Marino, that guy had a rifle, and he was the only guy in football who, like, really rifled the football. There, there were other guys, but now, Ray, every single quarterback has just, like, a massive arm. Even the guys who have weak arms are way better than they were in 1989, and so this idea of scrambling, that's part of it, is Zach Wilson, hey, if I just buy my time, I can find a guy deep, and I, I can hit that 60-yard throw. In 1989, nobody's hit that 60-yard throw scrambling around. Uh, now we have, like, Jamarcus Russell sitting on one knee, able to throw it 92 yards, right. <laughs> which is awesome, right. but he sucked. Well, <laughs> you know? And look at this. Dan, Dan Marino, who legitimately was less mobile than me at 50, he could not move, <laughs> right? He, he led the league in sack percentage each of his first eight years. 3%, huh. 2%, 2%, 3%, 2%, 2%, 2%, 2%, 2%. His current mark is 3.1. It's 3. less than a third. It's less than a third of, of Garrett Wilson's. Wow. Less than a third. And Dan Marino was immobile. He was a statue. <laughs> and he got rid of the football. So, yeah. It, it, I mean, and, and I don't think, how many times did people say, boy, Dan Marino was on a bunch of juggernauts? No one said that. It was yeah. about Dan Marino making things happen, right? So, yeah, if the game is different. And, we in the fantasy space take advantage of that because when the guy scrambles around, here's a 12 yard run that wouldn't have happened 25 years ago, but it's not necessarily good for the offense. That's for sure. 
Chargers with the win, week nine in the books. And uh, as usual, it's time to already look ahead. And uh, as usual, we're getting some injury news uh, coming out of Sunday's action, looking ahead to uh, this upcoming Thursday. Thursday night, by the way, Bears, Panthers. Um, they, they do a walkthrough on Monday, the teams that are involved in Thursday night games. So they, they have to estimate the injury report. And according to that estimation, Ray, on the Bears side, uh, Khalil Herbert, back at practice, and he was activated with that 21-day window uh, for his return to the Bears, but also Justin Fields. We could see both of those Bear players back for Thursday night against the Panthers. We could, and it's, you know, we, we said this earlier in the week, actually yesterday, the Bears really haven't changed their offense, right? They've had uh, Tyler B back there basically running the same offense. Well, if we get Gary, uh, excuse me, Justin Fields back there, it looks much better. People forget this because it was an up-and-down start to the season for Justin Fields, but the last two games he completed through eight touchdown passes. Mm -hmm. like, you know, there was there were some things happening there in addition to his ability to run the football. Uh, the backfield question, I think everyone that gets Fields back is very inclined to play him, right, this week, even if it's the first week back. The question about the backfield, though, is legit. Uh, yeah. You've got Dante Foreman, who gets his four yards to carry and doesn't catch passes. You've got Darrington Evans, who seemingly is stealing work from Roshan Johnson. Johnson's back hasn't done anything in a couple weeks since his return from his head injury. And here comes Cool Herbert, who was really effective last season. Let's not forget coming into this year, a lot of people wanted Herbert to be the lead back. Uh, the last couple of times out there, you know, he ran for 175 yards or whatever the last two games, ripping off 20-yard runs, looked good this season. He'll come back to a role immediately. And then it's a question, I don't think, and we, you know, right now, but moving forward, what does the black backfield split look like? Can Herbert distance himself from everyone else? Or is it going to be a 50-25-25 kind of split the rest of the way? I, I don't think he will. I, I think Foreman and him are going to be jockeying back and forth. And one guy may be more valuable for the touchdowns, the other guy for receptions, the other guy for workload, the other guy for efficiency. Like, it's going to be a mess. I can tell you this. As somebody who has been starting Tyler Algier as his RB2, I am immediately sticking Khalil Herbert back into my <laughs> starting line. <laughs> well, you don't like 12 carries for 39 yards? Guys. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm excited for Khalil Herbert uh, to get back on the field. Also excitement uh, elsewhere. Uh, Kyler Murray is uh, good to go. He, he's going to be out there in week 10. So Murray is is back. David Montgomery, right? It sounds like he'll be back. And that's another backfield with Detroit as to how's it going to shake out. And, and I would say this, whereas I agree with you on Chicago that it's murky. Um, it's probably a split. Ray, I would seriously just look at what Detroit did when Montgomery was healthy, and I think that's what they're going to do again, which is is on the surface bad news for a Gibbs owner, but he was okay even when Montgomery was healthy. Maybe it wasn't to the heights that people drafted him to be, but he was okay. I think if Montgomery's good, and maybe this week it's a little more of a slow play. Maybe Gibbs gets work. They're kind of easing Montgomery back into work, but if Montgomery's healthy, I think he is the running back, you know, for Detroit with Gamir, uh, with Jameer Gibbs, you know, stationed in for certain drives, certain down and distant, certain moments. I would look back at like week one through five for how it's going to work out for the Lions. Yeah, I think and we have a blueprint in essence too. last year when we had Williams and Swift in the backfield. Mm -hmm. Right. And obviously it's basic, but you can say, well, Williams is David Montgomery and Swift is Gibbs. Um, I find it interesting. The. The, the coach speak coming out the last couple of days in Detroit, it's like apparently the coaching the coaching staff, both Gibbs and, and Montgomery are going to get 20 touches this week, which I find a little surprising because I don't really think that's going to happen. But I do Along think – Along with 35 passes from, from – yeah, Right, right. Yeah, we're going to throw for 300 <laughs> yards and run it 47 times. Um, the 
I think that we're in a scenario, I agree with you, that, you know, there's a, probably a little bit of a feeling out this week, first week back for, for Montgomery. But at the same time, I think both Montgomery and Gibbs are top 25 running backs this week. We got some teams on by. We've got injuries. We've got messy backfields. Um, you know, I think that Montgomery is it, Montgomery, as we said it right now, would be the guy who would start ahead of Gibbs if I had to make that decision between the two. But like I said, I think both are top 25 yeah. plays. I think it's very reasonable to think short yardage, goal line stuff is Montgomery, maybe a catch or two. Gibbs, you know, has a breather back and then more involved in the passing attack. So both guys have value even this week, uh, provided they're both on the field. You mentioned messy backfields, and uh, I, I said this yesterday on Fantasy Sports Daily, and people can find that podcasting network. You can find it on YouTube, certainly. Baltimore. And, and Ray, I'm not surprised what Jim Harbaugh said yesterday. He said rotation. <laughs> he invoked the, the evil phrase, rotation, which, again, like I'm seeing write-ups, Ray. People are like all in on Keith Mitchell. And I guess that fits for the, the desperate guy, like the, the desperate play. Like, I got to get anything in, in the backfield. But I'm not thinking Keaton Mitchell's the guy. I'd rather have Gus Edwards. I think Justice Hill's getting work. I think Lamar Jackson is still good for five to eight rushing attempts a week. I, I'm struggling with this idea of uh, – I get adding Keaton Mitchell, but I'm really struggling with the idea of saying he's going to be a, a, a starter, even as a flex moving forward. But, again, everyone has to answer that question. For me, it's a non-starter. Harbaugh's telling us it's, it's mm-hmm. going to be a rotation – Tread lightly with Keaton Mitchell. Yeah, and we talked about him yesterday, and as everyone is, and I've seen the same reports. I don't know if they're from the same people or just everyone saying it. Um, Mitchell was pretty um, pretty impactful in the preseason. A lot of people were excited about him, and then he got hurt. I'll say it this way, and we talked about this yesterday on the show. Uh, Keaton Mitchell is 5'8", 185 pounds, okay? There are questions about his ability in blitz pickup. There are huge questions about his ability to run north-south. Um, not saying that you don't get this guy involved in space and good things can mm-hmm. happen. We saw that last week. But he's not hes not built physically uh, to run the ball 15 times a week. And let's not forget Gus Edwards is, oh, by the way, scored six touchdowns the last three games. And, you know, you can look at last week. Oh, he only had five, you know, eight carries, whatever the hell, five carries last week. Yeah, they were dominating the Seattle team. There was no reason to play him. He had a toe issue coming into the game. There was no reason. Hill played, I think it was 48 snaps, like 18 of them were in the fourth quarter because they just said, hey, run, we're going to run the clock out here. Bottom line is Gus Edwards has basically done everything that's been asked for him. Um, this is the first year in five where he doesn't even have five yards of carry. He's been much more effective than people give him credit for. But it's thunder and lightning in a best case scenario. So I think Mitchell, if things go right, touches the ball 10 times a week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That that And, you know, being that he's not the goal line back, being that this offense, even with the changes they made, is not an offense that wants to throw the ball Austin Eckler style to the running back 10 times a week. I mean, I think people are going to be overspending uh, for a guy that had a great game last week and will have flashes, but he's just not a starter every week in most scenarios. Well, well, what he showed last week was, what was it, a 60 and a 40-yard run, mm-hmm. um, which is very Devin Achan, you know? That's that's like what you're getting, and Achan did it for like three, four straight weeks. That's really hard to do. And and sure, what Mitchell showed the Ravens is, okay, kid, we'll, 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 we'll give you some work. You know, we don't want to push. Gus Edwards has had injury issues. Justice Hill. I mean, th- these are guys you don't want to give 20 carries to mm-hmm. the rest of the year, you know, every single week. So Mitchell will be used, but I, I just can't be counting on breakaway runs every week. I, I don't think we're going to have, 
you know, eight yards per carry on his six or seven rushing attempts. I don't even know if we're getting six or seven rushing attempts, uh, you know, per week. So again, tread lightly when, when the head coach is saying it's, it's still going to be a mess of everybody involved. And that's the Ravens. Like they've done this in effect ever since Lamar Jackson got here. Like this is going on five, six years where people want to fall in love with their receivers or fall in love with their running backs. And every week it's jumping from one bed to the next in the Ravens backfield and the Ravens receiving core. And sure, maybe it works for two weeks or three weeks, but eventually just there's no long-term answer. That's just not how the Ravens build it. Kind of like the Chiefs. It's not really how they build it with their offense, which is frustrating for the fantasy owner, but it's a fact of life. And hey, if you've, you've been here, you should know that. Um, if you haven't, maybe we're letting you know that. Uh, a couple of other injury things. Debo Samuel back at practice, so uh, hopefully he's good to go after the 49ers bye week. Uh, he's been dealing with that shoulder injury. Uh, worth noting following this week, Jamar Chase of the Bengals uh, had a bit of a back injury late on Sunday night. Ray and I talked about his uh, lack of numbers against the Bills. Um, he said yesterday that the, what was the, the good news is he's alive. I don't know what that means for his back. But that's what he said. The good news is I'm still alive. But I, we'll have to follow Chase with the back injury. Bengals aren't telling us much there. Um, Atlanta is sticking with Taylor Heineke. Uh, Rams are hoping Matthew Stafford is back for week 11. Remember, they're on bye this week. They're also hoping Kyron Williams is back for week 12. And, Ray, I hope you caught this because it kind of made my Monday. Sammy Watkins. Oh, you see okay. Sammy Watkins got a workout with the Colts? How awesome is that? I thought you were going to talk about uh, B. John Robinson and the fact that Arthur Smith said that the reason they're not using him at the goal line is so they can open things up for other players. Um, <laughs> John U. Smith to run it into the end zone. <laughs> John U. Smith has more touches inside the 10-yard line than their first-round draft pick, B. John Robinson, this year. Right, let's, get, uh, let's get a little more Khalil Hodge in our lives. Yeah, right? why not? Woo! Um, but, yeah, that, that Sammy Watkins, you and I, for those people that are new to us uh, as hosts, we've had a good time with Sammy Watkins since he was drafted. There have been moments where he's flashed. Uh, there have been moments every season for seeming the last six years where someone has picked him up off the waiver wire and hoped, uh, and the majority of the time has been probably disappointing. Who retires first, like officially retires? Okay. Sammy Watkins or Mercedes Lewis? Mercedes, Mercedes Lewis. Lewis is going to outlast the cockroaches. It, I mean, that guy is is refusing to move on. Isn't he? Doesn't he have like the all-time tight end games played record? <laughs> like he, he does. By now. <laughs> Uh, we, we've talked about him. What is he? I mean, the problem is he gets credit for a game played when he's like out there for four snaps. That's wow. unfair. 260 games he's been active and he started 223 of them. So it's, you know, and the, the, let's look his stats up real quick. The last <laughs> time he had 25 catches in the season, 25, 2013. Wow. Do, do you have career earnings for Mercedes Lewis by any chance? Let's see if it's for a guy like you said, 25 catches. He's not had 25 catches in a decade, a decade, people. And yet he's still pulling big chunks of change. I, I'm gonna guess, Ray. Okay. 40 million. Okay. You want you want to know what he's making this year? What's he making? Yeah, I bet he's making three mil this year. Two, but yeah. two. Okay. Okay. So what was your where's your career guess? I say about 40 mil. All right. According to this, Kyle, and this includes all roster bonuses and blah, 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 right? Staying alive bonuses. All that. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Being able to pull on shoulder pads. Catching, you get the, the the bonus with your seventh catch of the year. Okay. 
He's had $1.6 million in incentive bonuses, $3.5 million option bonus. I don't even know what that is. Um, $725,000 in workout bonuses, (laughs) $8.5 million in roster bonuses, $11.8 million in signing bonuses, and $37 million in salary. He has made $63 million. I'd like to see, and I know you don't have it there. I want to see what he's made since 2013. Where he's in effect hasn't even been involved. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you this: I got the I got the yearly numbers, Kyle. Um, he made nine and a half million in 2011. Okay, so that was his high water mark. Since 2013, four three six nine two five four four two one two one two four <laughs> four four. I mean, Sam Bankman Freed is serving 110 years in prison for stealing money. When's Mercedes Lewis, right? <laughs> is he stealing money? I mean, let's, you know, I mean. Yes, he's, he's stealing money, right? He's been in three yeah. organizations. He's played for 20 years. You've never heard him cause any problems away from the field. He's a good blocker. You know, he's a good teammate. I Is he worth $63 million? I, <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's a, must be a reason, Kyle. He's been around for 18 years. Yeah, yeah, he's a great teammate. That's what they say. <laughs> Um, you know, on that Sammy Watkins thing, there is actually some actionable uh, intel. And I think it's this, Ray. If you are a team that is inviting Sammy Watkins in, mm-hmm. that means you are a team that probably is looking at Josh Downs and worried about his knee. Remember, he tried to play last week. He left early. He's been good. I mean, as a rookie. Um, I, that's all I can imagine. Because why else are you bringing Sammy Watkins in? Sammy Watkins made $22 million in 2018. He's made $70 million in his career for two good years. Um, it's a good question. I mean, a Super Bowl ring too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's played on the Bills, the Rams, the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Packers. He's been even more well-traveled than Mercedes Lewis. Uh, you're good. It's a good point there, though. Because, uh, you know, Sammy Watkins is a guy you know can run a, run a route and, and do some things. He knows He knows football, right? He knows an offense, and he can – he can be a warm body. He's not going to join anyone and catch five passes a week. But if you're a team that's looking to bring him in at this point of the season, like you said, you have concerns about the guys in your room already. Mm-hmm. Uh, quickly on the waiver wire, we talked about Keaton Mitchell. Um, again, I think it's a desperation play. I, you know, I think you're adding an RB4, RB5. That's where I stand. A lot of other names, though, Ray. Um, it sounds like in a lot of leagues, Tank Dell and, of course, Noah Brown are available. Mm-hmm. Um, if Tank Dell's sitting out there, you spending dough? You, you making him a wide receiver three, you think? Yeah, I think in the case of Noah Brown, he's basically taken over for Robert Woods, who's out with that foot issue. I think when Woods returns, Brown recedes. So I wouldn't, I, I, a dollar, two percent, like don't spend anything on Noah Brown. Tank Dell, if he's on your waiver wire, I'm very surprised. Uh, we mm-hmm. talked about him on Monday, the fact that the team is manufacturing touches for him. Like he's had, I think, two t- two carries in like four or five straight games. Like they're manufacturing touches for him. It's hit or miss. He's another one of the guys that's not very big. He's 5'8", 175, 190, whatever the hell he is. He's not a big guy, so there are limitations there. And I think his role in the offense is, you know, in a PPR setup, Ten, let's get his 10 points a week. Let's get his four or five catches for 50 yards. We've seen some big efforts from him, obviously. Uh, I think I'd probably – I'd look at him as a four, a wide receiver four on a good team, on some teams that have struggles that are dealing with bye weeks and injuries. Maybe he slides into wide receiver three them. Um, another receiver who, uh, watching him this past Sunday, seemingly every reception he made 
um he, he acted like he'd won you know like ed mcmahon showed up at his door and gave him the publisher's clearinghouse check <laughs> like you remember every- that public clearinghouse? are we the only ones is anyone listening remember what that yeah. is <laughs> yeah people you used to like what would you call it like you'd mail in a self-addressed stamped envelope and people would show up at your door with 10 million and balloons you'd get <laughs> balloons confetti and a big check that said you were a 10 millionaire yeah, for no reason, just because you sent the thing yeah. in. Yeah. How did publishers clearing house make their money? <laughs> no idea. Anyway, this guy appeared to think he was getting one of those giant checks every reception. Odell Beckham, Ray. He, yeah. he was fired up for every catch that he had last week. Um, I don't really care. Should I? No. His touchdown was from Tyler Huntley. Um, he's had five catches in two of the last three games. The game in the middle, he had zero. Uh, he's he's already he he said the right things. I'll give him credit. I didn't come here to not be utilized, but I'm happy we're winning. That's basically what he said. So I'll give him credit that he you know, but he's just not you know he's not that guy anymore. And let's face facts: Lamar Jackson has thrown for 240 yards once, 240 yards one single time. We were bitching yesterday about Patrick Mahomes averaging 280, and that stinks. One time at 240 yards. So you know th- this. I don't know what, talking about contracts, the Ravens gave Odell Beckham $15 million, asinine. That could have been the worst signing of the offseason. That was only one year, but that's crazy, Pam. Don't pay attention to Odell Beckham. He's four catches for 40 yards if things are going right. Uh, Hal in our chat room, Ray, says that Publisher Clearinghouse sent so many mailers to his house that he could heat his entire house <laughs> good for you Hal. that's 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 good use of i mean don't throw it out and create waste just burn it and stay warm yeah I, you know i wonder what what's the bigger fraud ray um ftx publishers clearing house our um columbia house remember when you could get eight cds for a penny uh, I, I did that when I was like 11, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> which I was stunned. I, I think it was publisher or uh, Columbia House, which was the eight CDs for a penny. Uh, they didn't go bankrupt until like like six, seven years ago. They were still going. <laughs> Kyle, public, I'm looking at their webpage right now. Publishers Clearinghouse apparently is still in business. Really? The award will be given out on the 27th of December, and it's $5 million. And so I, I, I don't <laughs> I don't know, but they're apparently still in business. Um, yeah, here's a picture of the, the guy who won last year. It's only a million dollars last year. They really upped it this year to five. Well, the last thing I remember, they, they did like a post-Super Bowl giveaway one year. This is 15 years ago. That's the last I can recall. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder who's replaced Ed McMahon. The, the gentleman that won last year may have teeth, may not have <laughs> teeth. He's probably 75 years old. Um, Edwin Walker. Finally These got his people re- exist. These people don't exist. Well, do you th- I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Do you think? No, they don't exist. I don't know who the gentleman is. The gentleman next to him looks like a a happy version of uh, of uh, oh, what's his name? Um, come on, Kyle, help me out. He was on West Wing. Was- I need more than he looks I know, like. The happy I know. Version of. Um, no teeth. No. The guy with God, why am I, uh, low, low. What's his name? First low? name. Roblo. Roblo. Thank you. It looks like a happy version of Roblo. Geez, how did I not remember Roblo's? Well, Roblo's always happy. I mean, he's had so much stretching done to his cheeks. He can't. I mean, he's constantly smiling. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Well, 
Anyway, spend money on Odell Beckham over Publishers Clearinghouse. That's what that's what I would say. Uh, let's see, Josh Dobbs, QB two. I mean, he's got talent around him, Ray. QB two worth worth getting. I mean, I think with the way the game is being played now and his athleticism, he is he like guys. Some guys look fast when they run. He looks slow when he runs to me, but no one can ever tackle him. He gets around the corner and everything. I think that. You know, there are reasonable scenarios, especially with teams on by where he sneaks into the quarterback one. I mean, mm-hmm. what he did last week, given the fact he was there for a mere mere handful of days with the Vikings, absolutely tremendous. And he, you know, he's going to be Mercedes Lewis. He's going to be around 15 years now. Like he's going to be a backup quarterback forever. Uh, not, not, you know, you're not winning Super Bowls with him as a quarterback, but he's shown enough that lots of organizations can be happy to have him around. If nothing else, it's kind of cool that you can add Lex Luthor to your fantasy team. Um, <laughs> do you see in Minnesota the fans are shaving their eyebrows off Ray in honor of Joshua Dobbs? Are they really? No, I didn't <laughs> see that. I mean, it makes sense, but they're all in, man. All in five and four. Why not? They got a shot at the playoffs. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, I'll throw at him. Uh, certainly the Kenneth Walker owner should already have Charbonnet. Uh, but if he's available, um, and, and again, last week they were blown out by the Ravens, so you're not looking at the snap count last week and thinking it's, it's a switch. Uh, but Charbonnet is finally starting to get healthy, a little more ingrained in this offense. So uh, he's kind of a, a cheaper. Oh, is, is that Edwin Walker? <laughs> so Edwin Walker is the guy in the it looks like he just got done, you know, picking up those uh, barrels off the highway to make sure you know that the uh, lane is closed. Yeah, just closed is, down is that his what pumpkin he was farm doing when they found him. Yeah, closed down his pumpkin farm. He's that he does look that shirt. You're right. Yeah. I don't, I don't you know, think the other guy that. looks like the old host of Hollywood Squares. <laughs> Like uh, back in the 80s, that goodness, guy, goodness that guy's got teeth, right? That guy's probably been spending money on his teeth for the publisher. Edwin Walker, he's from Alabama, Kyle. One oh, million dollars. Shocker. I'm stunned. Um, boy, if you're Edwin Walker, are you really pissed off that last year you won and this yeah, year you five. don't? <laughs> and it's five, five million five. this year. Last year was a million. <laughs> Come on. I don't know. Why is that guy holding roses, by the way, dude? Did Edwin Walker win a pageant for people without teeth? <laughs> he got him from the racetrack before he stopped over, you know? Oh, goodness. Okay, let's move along. Edwin Walker is a measly millionaire. Let's talk about guys who will become like quarter billionaires this offseason. Uh, baseball free agency is upon us. We got a few minutes, Ray, before we close it down here. Uh, I guess free agency officially began yesterday. Uh, but now we get ready for uh, probably in the coming three, four weeks, more and more signings. Um, I, I will say this right off the top, Ray, pitching. There's a lot of pitching. That, those are probably the big names. Um, Nola, Snell, I guess Jordan Montgomery's a big name now. Sonny Gray, Eduardo Rodriguez, Lucas Giolito. Uh, we've got another Japanese import that people are raving about. Um, Yoshinubu, I, th- I think that's right. Yoshinubu Yamamoto. Yoshi, he's like 25 years old. He's been dominating over in Japan. Uh, but Ray, pretty well. There, there's like, I, I read a list that literally had eight to 12 teams that need pitching. Mm-hmm. All these guys are going to make a killing. And I don't even know how many of them deserve to make a killing this offseason. Well, we already had uh, Charlie Morton agree to a 20-year deal, a $20 million single year. You know, he, he pitched effectively over 163 innings. His whip was like 1-4. And that's kind of the state we're at. You know, and, and there are other names, too, that you, you didn't mention. I mean, Clayton Kershaw, Julio Urias with the Dodgers, if he's still involved. Eduardo Rodriguez turned his contract down. Lucas Giolito. Like, there's a lot of guys that 
you know, like you're suggesting, don't necessarily scream out Cy Young winners, but teams still need guys that can eat innings and eat them, eat them effectively. And if so, I had money, if, if I had money, Ray, and I needed mm-hmm. one pitcher, mm-hmm. to me, I'm going Yamamoto. That, that's who I, and, and that's crazy for me to say, Ray, but all these other guys here, they're not, like, I'm sorry, I'm not investing $300 million in Blake Snell. You know, I'm, I'm not investing 175 in Jordan Montgomery or, you know, 200 in Aaron Nola. I'd rather invest 200 in Yamamoto, <laughs> a guy who's five, six years younger than any yeah. of these other dudes. And there are the reports that that might happen, right? That their teams are hot to trot on Yama, Yamamoto. I, it'll be fascinating to see how the, the spending gets, it's taken care of. Um, because the, the game, as we've discussed for a long time now at FantasyGuru.com and you and I as well, Kyle, the, the game has changed substantially. And when we were young, it was seven innings or bust as a starting pitcher. Then it became six. Now it's kind of five. So it will be fascinating to see if teams will invest. Um, I don't think money will be a problem. I think they'll invest that wise. But it, are these guys getting two, three-year deals? How many yeah. guys get five-year contracts? Most of these extended contracts, you and I laugh when they sign them to the, the pitchers of these contracts. We're like, what are you doing? So I'll be interested to see how many of the, the pitchers are willing to or forced to take those shorter duration deals with bigger average values per season because teams are just not willing to do the five, six, seven year thing anymore. And and we kind of buried the lead a bit. Of course, there's the other big name, like Shohei Atani's here, Ray. But mm-hmm. for, for those who might have missed it, he's not pitching next year. And who knows if he goes back to pitching? I mean, that has to be considered, I think, at this point, coming off the Tommy John surgery, uh, but Ray, his market, I mean, this is a half billion dollar contract. It is. It might Just be because, more. Yeah, it might be because teams have actually been prepping for this. Like the Dodgers are the classic example. San Francisco is, is mm-hmm. now in this race because Aaron Judge and Correa and all these guys turned them down. But Ray, you look at these teams that are in on Otani, both New York teams, uh, the Angels are said to be, and I can't imagine he's going back to L.A., but but the Dodgers are in. San Francisco is in. I think Seattle is totally in this thing. Um, I even think Toronto could be in this. I think the Cubs could be in this. Like, he's got seven or eight big markets or seven or eight big market teams, Ray, that are totally going to shoot this thing past 500 million bucks for Otani. Yeah, and the real question obviously isn't, what can he offer as a pitcher this year? Because they're you know, doubtful to even take them out. The question is, what does that look like moving forward? Because he's had health issues and all that. I, I think that number one, Otani is, I don't even know if it's arguable, really, the greatest baseball player ever. His ability to do pitching and hitting, and all, he's probably the greatest player ever. And when you start talking about his global impact, I mean, it's massive. You see this in football. Every every six minutes, they're trying to play some game in Europe, right? In the NFL, they understand you know, the value. Funny, of the world. Ray, and I'm not disputing it. But the other day, like during the World Series, Shohei Tani shows up on that New Balance commercial. My wife was sitting next to me. She she follows the Cardinal. She's a she's not a baseball fan, but she knows baseball. She's right. her favorite player is Scott Rowland. Like she she okay. She's watch games. I asked her if she knew who that was on TV. Mm-hmm. No idea. No idea. A global, totally right. But Ray, it's the baseball fans. It's I don't know if it's cover if it's bringing in new fans or not. Nobody knows, and I can only look at her. <laughs> Nobody knows who he is outside of baseball fans. Does if if Mike Trout was on the screen, would she know who he was either? Probably not. And I Would think that's a guess. base that's a baseball problem. 
right? Because yeah. they don't they don't push their stars. Because you see, like in the World Baseball Classic, these guys are. I mean, fans are insane around the world, right? They're so into this, and baseball needs to do a better job. They've done a lot of things well this year. You know, speeding the game up, the attendance is up, all this kind of thing. But that's something they need to do. And I think in the case of Otani, he's been really hurt here, not globally, but here, the Angels. No one cares about – if you live on the East Coast, have you ever watched an Angels game? Like, have you ever – like, legitimately, if, you, if they weren't playing in New York, have you ever – and the answer is probably not. Like, people don't even know. They don't see him. They go to bed. They don't care. It's the Angels. Well, okay. Well, if he goes to the Dodgers, though, does that brand supersede think, the West Coast stuff? I guess I think it, it does. does. I think it does, and I think it opens up. That'd be really interesting because it would open up the the South America, North America, you know, the the other half of the North American hemisphere. I didn't know how to say it, um, but yeah, I think that given everything he ha- is on the field, what he is off the field, and what he also could be off the field, it could be even more. Right? I don't, I don't know if half a half a billion is enough. I think it might be more than that. I've said for over a year, Dodgers. I'm sticking with it. I hope it's the Giants, but yeah. the Dodgers. You think, they're, make a lot you of think sense. they're serious about it? I think they are serious about it, but in the end, it, it comes down to the cost. Now, because remember well, what, here, what, obviously, it, it, well, that's what I mean. Five hundred fifty million. You think the Giants would do that? I think I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I think that they're. I mean, the stadium's paid for now. They need to make an impact. Yeah. There's obviously a huge aging community in they California. Can't rely on Brandon Crawford to bring the fans in. <laughs> <Right. anymore. laughs> he did for years. I I I think I think the fact that they were willing to spend so much money on Carlos Correa. And they were in on Aaron Judge. I think they'll be in on Shohei Otani. It just matters how high the number goes. And I think he'd be interested in San Francisco, Seattle. Uh, I think the Yankees. I I could see the Yankees raid just being totally stupid because they're kind of desperate now. I don't. I, I would hope for the game they don't do that though. But that's. I, I could see like let's say the Dodgers go five eighty and the Yankees go six twenty five. Like they'll just silly money. Yeah, silly money. I, I could see the Yankees being that desperate uh, because hey, it's been twenty years. Since their last title, the Yankees? <laughs> That's kind of wild when you think about it. Uh, a couple of other things in free agency. Best hitter, because we talk here about pitching. Cody Bellinger? Probably the best hitter, I, I guess. Um, probably, I mean, he probably gets five years, and Ray, maybe close to $30 million a year after what he did last season. He's a fascinating guy, and we'll break him down in more detail over at FantasyGuru.com, because I said all season long, like, this isn't likely to continue and it doesn't like to continue. And in the end, he has an MVP caliber season and Statcast says he sucks. Like it's, it's like it, like he didn't hit the ball hard. He didn't mm. wet noodle city. Like nothing happened. Product and of he, Wrigley, that small park. Yeah, I don't, I mean, it's just all like his batted ball data is bad. It's not even mm. average. It's bad. And you know, he's always been athletic. Is he going to steal 20 bases again with the new rules? Maybe. Um, he tinkers with his his you know stroke all the time. Someone is likely to 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 get in there at that number or numbers like that, Kyle, because he's Cody Bellinger. He's had great seasons. He's versatile defensively. Okay, but I'd be very cautious if I was a team signing into a contract like that. There's a lot of low average heavy power guys: uh, Matt Chapman, Jorge Soler, Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, Reese Hoskins, J.D. Martinez. So we'll see where all those guys, if you don't get one, you just settle for the other. They're all kind of the same dude. Um, I, I am interested, Ray, in Josh Hader mm. uh, because what it, what is a stud closer worth? And if you look at it, the Dodgers could use a closer. Um, the Yankees, the Rangers, the Phillies, the Cubs. We'll see what Hader's worth. I, you know, 20, 
I don't know what the most expensive closer makes now. Are we up to 20 mil on a closer? I don't think we are. I'll look that up. Uh, but I bet Hater comes close to that. It may be a short contract, but maybe he could crack the $20 million barrier to close well, games. They offered him a qualifying, the qualifying offer uh, came from the Padres. So if he accepted that, which he won't, 20, that's 20, 20.3 yeah. million. So he's thinking he can make 25 to 30 million probably a year. Yeah, according to Sport Track, uh, the highest current salary for a closer in 2024 is Edwin Diaz at 19.7. Yeah, so do we crack 20? I guess he's betting on it by turning down that deal. Yeah, and it, I mean, they have new new uh, leadership in the, the dugout, obviously, in San Diego with Bob Melvin going to the Giants. There was, you know, I don't know. And we everyone's talked about this. Big story came out, even though everyone knew it. Josh Hader won't throw more than an inning. <laughs> he won't do it. If they want to bring him in the eighth inning. I'm not available, coach. He won't do it. He believes that's how he's going to stay healthy. Like on um, the Mercedes Lewis program or something. I, I mean, and, and you look, if you look at his numbers, you know, they're other than that hiccup he had two years ago or 2022, they're great, but he won't throw more than an inning. So that, you know, if I'm paying you $23 million, kid, I need you to get four outs and you're going to tell me no. I'll be fascinated <laughs> to see where he goes. Uh, you mentioned uh, the change in the uh, bench there. San Diego has not named their manager. Uh, they lost Bob Melvin to raise Giants. Uh, a couple of other hires. Let's see. Stephen Vogt, we mentioned this yesterday, but he's with the Guardians. The Mets go with Carlos Mendoza. Uh, kind of an out there. He's the Yankees bench coach. I think he's been there for over a decade, uh, but he's now coming to the Mets. And then the big one, Ray, was Craig Council joining the Cubs. Talk about a sneak attack. People, people weren't mentioning the Cubs at all with Council. And then to have your rival from 90 miles south thats just yank him and a huge deal, $40 million for five years. I will say this, Ray. It's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I, I think managers kind of deserve it. I think. I, I, now, I don't know where it stops or if Council is the guy that deserves that. But I'm not like looking at that contract and going, oh my God, can you believe they're spending that money on a manager? If they think he's the guy. I'm eight million bucks. I mean, they'll find that in the, the couch cushions, as they say, to pay, uh, to pay Craig Council. Quite the coup for the Cubs, as you noted. I think I saw many people complaining about the money given, and I thought the same thing. It's like, yeah. You're going to pay, you know, a backup middle infielder six million. You can't pay your manager eight. Like college, college football coaches get this much money. <laughs> I, I think ultimately, whether a manager is worth it or not, isn't even as much about the record. It's about what control do they have in the dugout? Because I know that's a big topic nowadays. Like a lot of organizations say, well, we don't influence yeah. decisions. They influence decisions. They send 47 spreadsheets out at the start of a series. You know, they, they have input. A lot of the organizations do in the front office about structuring lefty righty home away spots in batting order do you if you're signing Craig Council don't you just let him make all decisions I would assume that would be the yeah. case uh so that to me is is interesting do you, do you pay a guy to be a yes man or do you pay a guy and let him do his thing I wonder if Craig Council's now made more money as a manager than as a player mm. probably has I would think and he was around baseball for a long time too he had to be in baseball for close to a decade um didn't do much. He got forty million right on this contract. Yeah, and I don't know what he's made the last handful of years. Right, like coach. two. Um, <laughs> two as a million. player, he made twenty-one million. Okay, so he's already blown past with this manager. Fifteen career. years, like you said, long career, yeah. but twenty-one million. Fifteen years, twenty-one million. Yeah, man, Mercedes Lewis is laughing at him, <laughs> sucker.
sucker. Um, okay, that <laughs> Edwin Walker is not laughing. Like a million dollars used to be cool, Ray, but I'm sorry, it's just not. I, I'm like if I want. Okay, we'd take it. But Ray, I, I I would still have to show up and be here tomorrow if I want a million bucks. I'd still have to be working with you the very next day. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people would get it because I remember you got to pay taxes and everything too. So it's not really a million dollars. A million dollars just doesn't go as far as it used to, Kyle. Yeah, it's not a million bucks, man. Ask, ask Mercedes Lewis. He's he, That's why he's sticking around. He's a million dollars doesn't go as far as it used to. Um, okay, we have gone as far as we need to. On this Tuesday, Fantasy Sports Daily, we're back tomorrow. Uh, Justin Finsterman is going to join us for his weekly basketball discussion. Uh, if anything happens on the baseball side, we'll let you know. Obviously, football, we're getting into some spreads and, and game totals, all that good stuff. Uh, good luck with the waiver wire. Thanks for joining us today. Ray, you and I back tomorrow, 11 a.m., okay? Looking forward to it. And remember that promo code is FSD20. Uh, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, where you might be listening to us, or Spotify as well. And really enjoy all the uh, back and forth there in the uh, comments section that we had. Uh, keep them coming. And we didn't get to a lot of the questions or thoughts today, but there will be days where we're uh, conversing back and forth with you guys in there. So thanks for joining us there. Catch you tomorrow right here on Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.